Welcome to that Super Fan Talk Podcast, only on the Infinite Potato Alliance. Hey everyone, if you're a regular listener to our shows or if this is the first time that you've ever stumbled across the site, then you should know that the party continues over at patreon.com slash infinite potato. There's a lot of reasons for you to become a patron. Your donation helps us to pay for things like microphones, hosting services, streaming platforms. You can be a patron for as little as $3 a month and you get a lot of perks like early access to episodes and our monthly special episodes where we watch and review some great old movies like Kingdom of the Spiders. Things are starting to move. You think something's about to happen between them, and all of a sudden Shatner says, you know what I want to do? I want to go burn that spider hill right now. (laughs) (laughs) Plan 9 from outer space. Jim never has a second cup of coffee at home. (laughs) (laughs) And the thing with two heads. That is the show. Okay. The lieutenant. I want to hear how racist this is. And for just a couple dollars more every month, you can become a producer of the network. You'll get a public thank you on some of the episodes. Special thanks to Tom Corcoran, Bullet Bingo, Jeff Hughes, and Brandon Ushio for bringing you this episode of the podcast this week. Find out more by visiting us over at patreon.com slash infinite potato. Whoever you are, this channel is reserved for emergency calls only. Do I sound like I'm wearing a pizza? Hold on to your butt. And here we go. From the historic Infinite Potato Studios, this is That Super Fan Talk Podcast. Smoke and mirrors, guys. Welcome to the movie factory. Hasta la vista, baby. Join us as we dive deep into all fandoms and genres of cinema and television. I like those odds. Strange things are afoot at the Circle K. No gatekeeping. No toxic fandom. That monkey's my fly out of my butt. Now, only inches away from a tall glass of Diet Mountain Dew. Just give me something without any sugar in it, okay? Here is your host, Sean Ray. It's Sean. Shawnee, if you're feeling a little loose. Never the Sean dog, because that's just lame, and I've never been one to chase balls. Easy peasy lemon squeezy. All right, it was a miracle. Can we go now? Keep the change, you filthy animal. Hey, everybody, and welcome to that Super Fan Talk podcast. My name is Sean Ray, and I ask the hard-hitting questions like, what is Subway putting in their tuna sandwich anyway? Joining me tonight in the historic Infinite Potato Studio, we have John. How's it going, sir? It goes well. We have Rick. How are you? Ack, 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 ack. <laughs> and we have Scott. How are you? Once again, there is some uh, uh, news topic thing going around that I have totally missed. Because I don't know what's up with the tuna. So, uh, Subway... No one does. Somebody, somebody went to like four different Subway restaurants and bought foot long tuna subs, 
took all the tuna off of them and and put them in containers and froze them and sent them to a laboratory. The laboratory did some tests. They came back and said there is absolutely no tuna DNA in this at all. Oh, okay. So okay, it still tastes good. Whatever it is, it's either not tuna or it's so heavily processed that it's not tuna anymore. <laughs> yeah, I know. I love the tuna from Subway. <laughs> it's like when I found out that Taco Bell's meat is only like 10% beef or something like that. And the rest of it, they don't really know what it is. I can tell you what it is because I used to make the stuff, not Taco Bell, but I work for Taco I work. Have you all ever heard of Taco Viva? I've heard of it, yeah. No. Mm-hmm. I don't. I don't know. How, you know where they were outside of Florida. They were. They were in Florida before uh, Taco Bell came in, and I worked for them for like five years when I was an undergrad. Um, don't ask how long it took me to get my bachelor's. It's not pretty. <laughs> so, um, but uh, you know, ta- Taco Viva was you know like maybe one and a half rungs further up the food chain from Taco Bell. Um, and like we sold beer, which is really a shame because at the time I worked there, I didn't drink beer. In the retrospect, it probably was a good idea that I didn't because I would have gotten in so much trouble. But anyway, uh, our beef, to, to make the beef, the meat for the, the, the burritos and the tacos and everything, you'd start with a 10-pound bag of hamburger. And you have this, this pan that's like literally three feet square and about six to eight inches deep. And you put it on the big big gas stove in the back and you dump the 10-pound bag of hamburger in there. And then you put like another 10 pound bag of oats in and then we had various packets of spices and and oils and goops and stuff that would go in there so i mean there there is meat in there but there's a whole lot of other stuff to make it go further as well filler yeah a lot of filler (laughs) yeah (laughs) all right so tonight we are celebrating the 25th anniversary of a bunch of films we did the 30th anniversary a few weeks ago and we're going to talk about some of our most and least favorite films that came out in 1996. Uh, I thought to kick things off, we'd start with a round of Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, cool. We, have, we haven't played this game in a while. I'm going to name a film that was released in 1996, and you tell me if you what you think the Rotten Tomatoes score is. Uh, of course, Rotten Tomatoes uses the uh, critics and audience scores together to, to rate a movie as whether it's fresh or it's rotten, using a score from zero to a hundred. So, you guys will all guess, and whoever's closest will get the point. But I'm also going to say uh, I got the I've got the rotten the critic score and the audience score. So, whoever's closest to the critic score gets the point. But if you nail the credit score or the audience score exactly, I'll give you two points for that. Okay? So, number one. I'll name the movie and then I'll just go across all three of you. So, uh, the first one is 12 Monkeys. John, what do you think the uh, score is for 12 Monkeys? And I'm, I'm, I'm just guessing, like... You're not specifying critical audience. I'm just trying to get one of them. Right? Yeah, you're just trying to guess what the overall Rotten Tomatoes fresh score is. I think that I remember that film was well received. I'm, I'm going to say it's. I'm going to give it like an 89. Okay. All right, uh, Scott. What about you? Well, I don't trust uh, uh, internet review sites to uh, consider good movies to actually be good movies when they're supposed to. So I'll say 79. 
Hmm. All right. Rick? Uh, I saw this movie, and that's all I can tell you about it is I saw it. I don't remember a damn thing about it, but I do know that it is like one of those anytime there's a you know greatest ten greatest science fiction movies, it's always on there. Um, so I'm gonna I'm going to uh, split the difference and say ninety one. All right. The answer was eighty nine. John got it right on the head. So he gets uh, two points for that. All right. Number two. This came out in 1996. Well, all of them came out in 1996. <laughs> uh, don't be a menace to South Central while drinking your juice in the hood. John, what do you uh, think the score is for that? I think the audience score is probably 30 points higher than the critic score. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm inclined to go with the critic score. Alright, so I would say actually let me average it too. I'm guessing well, the, the critic, critic score, score the critic score is what the official the official number that they put on here is the critic score. So yeah, uh, but if you if you guess the audience score, I'll give you two points, but I think I think their critic score is I think a lot of people thought it sucked, but they didn't want to be too hard on it because it was also a black film and they didn't want to seem racist. <laughs> but I think it did suck if memory serves correctly. <laughs> uh, so I'm gonna go low but not terrible. Let's say. 62. Okay. Scott, what about you? I'm going to say 55. All right. Rick? And I, I think you're giving movie critics critics way more credit than they deserve. They're some of the most bitter people on earth. I'm going to say 25. And Rick is the closest. It was 31. Yeah. <laughs> Jen's here. <clears throat> oh. Um... The audience score is uh, 80. Wow, so the a- audience has really liked it. Yeah. <laughs> Jen, we're playing oh, yeah. uh, Rotten Tomatoes. So uh, I'm oh. going to... And okay. you're, you're, all, you're two questions behind, but you can, you okay. can still catch up. Uh, the way it works is I name a movie, and uh, you guys all try to guess what the Rotten Tomatoes score is. And if you're the closest, you get a point. If you nail the credit score or the audience score exactly, you get two points. All right. So the next one is Broken Arrow with uh, John Travolta and Christian Slater. John, what do you think that one is? Also not a good movie, but in a different way. (laughs) Uh, What was Don't Be a Menace? That was 60-something? No, it was 31. 31. All right. I'll jump up. I'll say say that gets like a 50. Okay. Jen, what do you think? I love this movie. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, ain't it cool? I'm sorry. I just, I think it's, yeah. If anything, just John Travolta is pretty much chewing the scenery the entire film. Um, no, I don't disagree. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I just, I disagree with your opinion, but not your assessment. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, 50%? You said 50? 
Isn't that what John said? They, yeah, that's what John said. So you got to do something different. You can oh. do 51 or 49. 51. <laughs> okay. All right. And uh, Scott? <laughs> we're we're, we're going to start bottlenecking here because I, I feel like it's close <laughs> to 50. But I wanted to hedge my bet and... I want. I was going to say fifty-one, but then Jen took it, so uh, fifty-two. Sorry. <laughs> okay. It's going to be like. All right, Rick. What about you? I never saw this one. Uh, this is about the the crashed experimental fighter, right? If I'm remembering correctly. This is about it's an atomic like bomb, I think. They're, yeah, they're this atomic a nuclear missile, missile basically. Yeah, they stole a nuclear <laughs> missile. Yeah. Oh, so I complete. Um, I have no idea what this movie was. You're on the ball. Uh, <laughs> So let's see. Everybody's really stuck right around, the mid- and I was going to say fifty also, just because it's, um, you know, hoorah, America. <laughs> yes, I mean, no, uh, hell yeah. Um, Fourteen minutes in. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna. I'm, uh, uh, sixty-two. Okay. The score was fifty-two. So Scott gets two points. <laughs> 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 artificially standing on the shoulders of giants. (laughs) (laughs) Alright, the next one. Uh, This is a movie with Damon Wayans, Daniel Stern, and Dan Aykroyd. It's uh, Celtic Pride. I never saw that. I hate the pronunciation of that word so much because it's so wrong. Can I get a synopsis? Well, I mean, it's Celtic as in the Celtics. Yeah, it's so, about the basketball team. It's not 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 the Celtic Warriors or whatever. It's still the wrong way to pronounce that word. I don't care. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I I mean, can I get a synopsis of the movie? It's Daniel Daniel Stern and uh, Dan Aykroyd are super fans of the Celtics, <laughs> so much so that they end up kidnapping one of the players played by Damon Wayans. That's about all you need. It's, oh. Yeah, that's that's the plot. That yeah. sounds horrible. Twenty-five. Yeah, it, it is. It's. <laughs> <laughs> you said twenty-five. Okay. You know what? I, I'm going twenty-two. <laughs> okay. Jen, what do you think? Ten. Ten percent. That's where I'm going with because it's so bad. From All what right. I hear. <laughs> Scott. Yeah. Uh, I have to assume that those are pretty close. Uh, uh, I'll. I'll John, you didn't say twenty, did you? Would you say twenty-two? He said twenty-two. I'll say twenty. I'll say twenty. Okay, Rick. Thirty-five, because sports movies are stupid. <laughs> okay. <laughs> According to you, <laughs> sports movies are stupid. So you give it the the highest score of the round. <laughs> yes, because they can't tell it's whether it's good or not. It's just ooga, ball. Jen okay, gets the I point. The, the actual score was three. Whoa! Whoa! <laughs> we were all wishful thinking, I guess. Ironically, that actually restores some faith in humanity for me. Yes, me too. <laughs> the next one is uh, Twister. <laughs> John, what do you think the score is for that one? I uh, see. Now that's a tricky widget because that that is a so bad it's good movie. Uh. If we're going for the critic score, I don't think they care about so bad it's good. They'll just say it's bad. Um, let me give it a... I'm going to say 22 again. If I just say okay. that for everything, eventually... <laughs> Jen, what was you? I'm going with another 50. Alright. Scott? Close. Um, I think it was it was pretty 
big deal. You know, everyone knew about that uh, that cow flying across the road sure. uh, that summer. So, um, I'm I'm gonna say sixty three. All right, and Rick. Forty-eight. Scott gets the point. It was sixty. Mm, Holy nice. cow! Okay. Good All for right. The it was. It, it was. Yeah. It was good. Dumb fun. It was dumb fun. I'm gonna stop. I'm gonna stop trying to guess what other people would have guessed. Not to give it what I would give it. I'm gonna <laughs> try that. Let's try that. All right. Uh, numbers. Uh, the next one is uh, a Jerry O'Connell movie. Joe's apartment. Oh, I love that movie. <laughs> it's so dumb. <laughs> John, what do you think the score is for that? What? 18. Okay. Jim? No, I'm, I'm dropping it. 14. Okay. Jim? Um, I love it, but it probably didn't get a really good high score. Because it's based on a skit from a MTV show. Um, I'm going to say 25. All right, Scott. I'm I'm hanging out somewhere in between those. Uh, we'll, we'll we'll say twenty. All right. It should and be it should be lower, but I think twenty is closer to what it would actually get. Rick, forty two. <laughs> Scott gets the point. It was nineteen. What? <laughs> Wait, what did I say? You said 14. You said 18 to begin with and then dropped it to 14. Damn it. <laughs> so if you had, if you had kept it 18, you and Scott would have both got a half point, I guess. Uh, okay. Bruce Willis and Christopher Walken in Last Man Standing. I think I've, have I seen that? It's I, a re- remake of A Fistful of Dollars, basically. So no. <laughs> John, what do you think? I don't know anything about this movie, which is rare, I gotta say, for for a movie starring famous people from the nineties. Usually, yeah, I, I just have some vague recollection of it, but I don't I don't know anything about this. Uh, we make a fistful of dollars. I'm gonna say. Uh, you know what? Let's say let's let's go on the higher end because Christopher Walken. <laughs> uh, <laughs> the higher the higher end of low. So let's say let's say forty five. Okay, Jen. Oh, you know when you got Christopher Walken, <laughs> it's going to be good, but probably not in this case. So I'm going to go <laughs> with a thirty five. All right, Scott. Fifty. <laughs> Rick, you got a Christopher Walken impression? <laughs> nope. <laughs> uh, no. <laughs> what do you think, Rick? I don't have. I don't have a verbal one. I have a visual one, and I'm flying around the room right now, like in a uh, weapon of choice. But you can't see. There you go. There you go. I do make it a point to walk without rhythm, though. No. <laughs> but uh, who was in it? Christopher Walken and who? Bruce Willis. 35. 
I would guess Bruce Willis is the actual star. I already said 35. Yeah, Jen already said 35. Oh, you said 35? All right. Yeah. Uh, 42. Back to 42. Okay. It's always the I, I have no idea. I, have, I don't remember hearing about this movie. I don't have any clue what the buzz was. So, Jen gets the point. It was 37. All right. <laughs> All right. I'm going to do three more. I'm proud of us for all getting pretty close on these, though. Yeah. John Favreau and Vince Vaughn in Swingers. Oh. That's that a cult classic. Wow. John, what do you think about that? That one's going to be up there. That's, that's That was one of the indie darlings of the 90s. Uh, you know what? I'm going to give it a 96. Okay. Wow. All right. Jen, what do you think? Um, yeah, because this is like the movie that made John Favreau a star and Vince Vaughn a star. Uh, yeah. And it's still pretty popular to this day. I'm going to say... Hold up, it's a good movie. Yeah. Um, I'm going to say 90. Okay. Scott? Um, I, I agree. It's probably going to be up there. Of course, I, I, I've i never seen it, so I'm just going on how well-remembered uh, it seems to be by general moviegoers so um, but I'm, I'm not going to swing quite so high as uh, as the other two so um, I'll round it down to 85 alright Rick what about you 87 like you're right in the middle <laughs> Rick got, I, Rick got the nail on the it. head I know nothing about it so Rick got what? the nail on the okay. head he gets two okay. points it was oh. 87 oh cool <laughs> I think you would both enjoy it, for the record. All right. What's it about? Uh, it's about some 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 swingers, some swinging guys, no, you know? No, to... that sounds worse than it is. <laughs> <laughs> it was a resurgence of jazz in the in the 90s. Basically, uh, they were going to clubs to get girls. And essentially, what it's about. John, John yeah. Favreau <laughs> broke up with his girlfriend, and his friends are taking him out, trying to get him back in oh, the swing of things. Yeah. You know? Is it about that during during that that brief resurgence of swing music? Yep. Yeah. Ha- okay. Like Cherry Pop and Daddies and, and uh, exactly uh, that. Yeah. Uh, Big Bad mm-hmm. Voodoo Daddies. And, yeah. 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 Tales from the Crypt presents Bordello of Blood. I love that <laughs> movie. <laughs> that is a wild movie. John, what do you think? Uh, critic score 38. All right, Jen. John score solid forty. <laughs> <laughs> it was it was it was bad and dumb, but entertaining enough. It was before Dennis Miller dove into the deep end of the of the right wing nut job pool. Yeah. Wait, the, Jen- he was uh, he was on the other side of the. Okay, sorry. Um, yeah, for a long time. I'm gonna say forty two this time. I would love to see. Dennis Miller and Janine Garofalo in the Thunderdome. <laughs> okay. Scott, what do you think? Well, I was never the biggest fan of Dennis Miller even before he turned into a... Yeah. So, I'm going to say 18. Alright. And Rick? Alright, what, what, what did... John said 38? John said 38. Jen said 42. Scott said 18. Yeah, I don't think the critics would have been very nice to this. But it was a fun one. I'm going to say 35. All right. The score was 18. So oh. Scott, get, Scott gets that yeah. point. Scott's just running away with it. Damn. 
audience score was only 31. I thought the audience score would have been higher than that. I think it. I think it got better after it went out on video. I Probably. think uh, it got mm-hmm. a better following. Okay, this well, is the last it was, one. It was also. It was, uh, you know, because it was going out as a movie as opposed to being, you know, on the show on HBO. HBO was Tales of the Crypt, right? Yep. Yeah. 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 Um, it was kind of tamer than some of the TV episodes, so I think that was, some people might have been disappointed with that. It was, it was more funny than gross. They did, that, and that was the second one. They were trying to do, like, a whole series of these movies, and I think that was the second one. The first one was... Demon Knight. Uh, yep. Demon Knight. Yeah, mm-hmm. the one with Thomas no, Hayden Church. This was the first one. Demon Knight was the second one. Yeah, I couldn't remember uh, which came first and which came second. Yeah, but they I got Bordello of Blood. There's Demon Knight, and the, those are the only two that they were able to get out before yeah. the whole thing just <laughs> fell apart. Yeah. yeah. All right, this is the last one. Beavis and Butthead do America. <laughs> I love that movie too. I love that movie. <laughs> John, what do you well, think? <sighs> it's the only Red Hot Chili Pepper song I like. And it's a re it's a it's a cover. Yeah. Um I don't know my feelings on this. <laughs> I look uh critics score I would I'm gonna guess that their dumbness would overpower the enjoyment. <laughs> okay. Uh so I'm gonna I'm gonna say a critic score is probably like around a twenty nine. Okay. All right, Jen, what about you? Okay, I'm pretty sure this is way higher than people think it is. I'm going to give it a 73. All right. Scott? I'm going to say 60, thinking that it, yes, scored higher than it should have. So, 60. (laughs) And Rick? I love this movie, but I'm pretty sure the critics just crapped all over it. I'm saying 17. (laughs) 72. Whoa! Whoa. Jen gets that point. I knew that it was higher than people would think it was, because, yeah. And But Scott wins with five points. Rick had three, John had three, and... uh, No, Jen had... Rick had three, Jen had three, and John had two. Oh. I started off strong and then got nothing else. I didn't think I got that many. <laughs> well, you 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 got two points for one of them because you hit the oh, score right on it. That's right. So I did only yeah. answer two right. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So the highest grossing films of 1996, and I'm going to start at number 10 and we'll work our way up. So number 10 was Space Jam with uh, Michael Jordan, <sighs> Bill Murray, Wayne Knight. Came out on November 15th in 1996. I know we brought it up on a show in the past. And everybody hates it but me. Uh, no, oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> I don't hate, hate it. it. I'm utterly ambivalent to it. I, I never feel, saw it. I, I was, yeah, I feel like it gets crapped on a lot because it's very 90s. But, I mean, oh, I'm sorry. You go ahead, Sean. I don't know. No, I was, just, I was just saying, I, I've, I've, I've said before that I like the movie. It's not a perfect movie, and Michael Jordan is not an actor. But... No. That, but it's a lot of fun to watch. I mean, it's, it's just a goofy. It's a kids' movie for one thing, and it's, it's, I mean, it's just I fun. don't know how 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 deep or you know uh, profound you expect a Looney Tunes movie to be. Yeah, <laughs> it's better than the the next one that they did was that back in action with Brendan Fraser, and uh, Space Jam is better than that. I know that. <laughs> yeah, well. <laughs> 
I, I, I enjoy I enjoyed Space Jam. It's no monkey but, bone, I gotta say. The, the funniest thing is that the space the Space Jam website is still up. Well, well the new one's about to come out, so. and it's still no. I mean, it's been up this whole time. It still looks like a website from 1996. Mm. <laughs> is it on GeoCities? I don't know what's hosting it, but it's out there. Um, Scott, what about you? Have you you seen Space Jam? I'm sure you've seen it. Um, I've. I think I've been in the room while it played beginning to end, <laughs> but I can't really say that I watched it. Hey, careful. Um, you say that kind of stuff, you get jumped on. <laughs> With this movie, I'm fearless because I never gave a damn about it. Uh, if I'm remembering correctly, it, I was quote-unquote watching it with uh, my ex-wife and her son. It was like a movie night for the three of us, so I was there to be part of the family watch but don't ask me any details about what happened in the movie because I actively retained nothing from the movie. <laughs> right. this, is, this is the thing that uh, we're off on a bit of a tangent <laughs> I know I know super unusual for this podcast <laughs> I, have, I have a few superpowers one of them <laughs> One of them is I usually know what time it is or how long something will take, like pretty accurately. Uh, another is I'm I'm pretty good after I get to know a person of oh you know what you will like this band you will like this song I like this thing but you would hate that thing. Actually, I have that same superpower. <laughs> yeah, Scott, you're a mystery <laughs> given some of the movies that I know you enjoy I would put Space Jam in that same category and I'm <laughs> confused <laughs> as to why uh, something like He-Man gets your nod of approval or, or Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and I'm not knocking those films but I'm saying if you like A I would expect that you like B. Do you? Can you shed some light on this? <laughs> um, Rick, Rick, I can. Rick is pretty consistent. <laughs> no, Rick is all over the place to me. No, he's not. No, Rick, Rick is not all over the place. Like I, like I love Purple Rain. Rick's not gonna love Purple Rain. <laughs> like uh, you know, I think Star Trek movie is boring. Rick's gonna like Star Trek movie. Like I, I. I even if my tastes aren't your tastes, I'm usually pretty good at discerning what your tastes are. Scott is a mystery. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I, I am an enigma wrapped in a mystery. Yes. I don't know. Uh, but for, for this one, for this one in particular, I think I can pretty safely say that uh, uh, considering my general view of uh, sports, uh, professional sports and professional athletics, uh, for the most part, to have someone who is only famous for doing sports and is not only not famous for uh, performing, for acting, but is uh, genuinely and notably bad at it. To build, to build an entire film around a bad actor because, hey, he's popular in something else and we're going to make a movie out of it. it do that doesn't make me immediately assume, oh, it's a bad movie but it gives me zero incentive or desire to actually sit down and watch it. 
So the one time that I knew I was in the room, it was easy for me to not really care about the movie because, oh, okay, it's a bad actor walking around acting badly. And there's only if you focus on the actor part and not the Looney Tunes part. Yeah, it's just uh, yeah. When I, I, I watch it for the Looney Tunes, yeah, there's there's way more bugs than than Jordan. Maybe so, but yet he is still the main character. So, he was the MacGuffin. Yeah, he was the He was he was the MacGuffin. He was the he was the <laughs> means to get there. <laughs> Well, and my problem with the movie is something I've never been able to figure out, and it, it has very little to do with the movie itself. Most sports I'm utterly ambivalent to. Um, you know, the, I couldn't care less if they existed or not. For some reason, pro basketball I actively dislike, and I I think it's a. Oh, and you're talking to a Hoosier man. Come on. <laughs> that means nothing to me. Um, <laughs> Basketballers are religion in Indiana. I'm just. I, I think it's a combination of being forced to sit through games in high school because one of my teachers was the basketball coach, and the fact that several of my favorite science fiction shows were killed in their infancy because they happened to be on the air at the same time as that goddamn March Madness crap and kept getting preempted. <laughs> Uh, and you know that's how that's why Firefly got the axe that's well I don't know about Firefly but that's why Space Above and Beyond got killed because it was you know Fox was jerking around with its schedule you could never find when it was on because goddamn basketball was always on well Rick I I gotta tell you March Madness is college basketball not (laughs) professional basketball it's still basketball. I'm with I, do you really think that matters? <laughs> I, I feel like that's a, that's not basketball's fault. <laughs> <That is popular. laughs> I'm, and, I'm, and I'm not saying it is in any way rational. I'm just trying to figure out why I have this active dislike right. of basketball. It's also a game I was never ever able to play, even as you know, even as a kid playing around. You know, and maybe that maybe goes. I could maybe I need therapy because I don't. You know, I'm. I'm I wasn't half bad at football, flag football and stuff as a kid. Baseball, you know, kickball, all that stuff I could do. But when it came to trying to get that ball more than three feet off the ground, no way. Mm. It wasn't happening. Mm. Uh, and maybe that's yeah. where the loathing came from. I have yeah, no that, idea. But the thing is, this is not really, it's not really a basketball movie. It's, it's a, really it's a, a basketball movie. movie. It's, it's got it's basketball it. in it. Oh, my <laughs> okay, and you have it. Trust <laughs> us on this. It is, it is I mean... Yeah, I'm not going to say it's not a Michael Jordan movie. It is. I'm not going to yeah. say it's not a basketball movie. But I would say this movie is not about Michael Jordan or basketball. This is a Looney Tunes movie. Yeah, they play baseball in the, in the movie, too. <laughs> I would say Space Jam is a basketball movie in the same way that Home Alone is a home defense movie. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I get it. It's, it's not realistic. But I have a similar axe to grind with, with basketball as, as Rick does. When I was in middle school, which was 6th to 8th grade, by the time I got to 8th grade, my friends would find me in the hallway by just looking for the one head that was sticking up above all the rest. I was a tall kid when I was in school which means that everyone was always pushing me to the front in gym class whenever they did basketball, and I was bad at it. So I would hold a grudge against basketball because it was a sport I could not get good at, but everyone expected me to be good at it because I was tall. Yeah. Mm. Okay. Okay. All right, well, let's move on to the next How long are we doing a show? (laughs) Number nine. (laughs) Number nine is Jerry Maguire with uh, Tom Cruise, Renee Zellweger, Cooper Gooding Jr., Came out on December thirteenth of ninety six, and this is one of the it's one of the classic rom coms, right? So, 
I did see this in the theater. Um, that's the o- I think that's the only time that I've seen it though. But I, I am a Tom Cruise fan. I've liked just about everything I've ever seen Tom Cruise in, and uh, I think he was fine in this. And it, it launched Cuba Gooding Jr.'s career, but his career seems to have kind of dried up at this point. <laughs> um, they were supposed to make a sequel to Jerry Maguire, but it wasn't going to be about Jerry Maguire. It was supposed to be about the character that Cuba Gooding Jr. played and Regina King. It was going to be about them, but the, it never happened. Mm. But um, What do you guys think? Oh, I love Jerry Maguire. You had me at hello. That's like Show me the now. money! <laughs> that too. <laughs> Such a quotable film. I always thought that the, the kid, the little kid, and I don't know his name, the little Jonathan kid in that movie. Whatever, yeah. I always go back. I, I, I quote the line sometimes. The human head weighs eight pounds, and uh, <laughs> just just randomly because that's what he did. And um, he is like Jack now. I mean, he's like yeah. a bodybuilder or something. <laughs> Sean, do you want do you want to know something interesting about that line that you like so much? What's that? It's not true. That, <laughs> it, it's true. The line is in the movie, but that kid just dropped that particular piece of knowledge. At his audition, oh really? It's in, it's in the script because he said it at his audition. Just uh, being that himself. makes it even better. Yeah, <laughs> I saw half of it. I it was a VHS, and I was a senior. My girlfriend was a freshman, and we were having a, a movie date on the weekend. We watched about half of it, and then we were not paying attention anymore. And I felt ah, like that was hmm. fine because I heard that God damn song on the radio so much that I had all the relevant quotes because they kept on coming up through that song. So I felt like I had seen the movie. Yep. Let me let me let me, let me just give y'all a, just a really quick view of what 1996 was for me. Uh, I was the assistant technical director of a college theater. We had a thriving uh, dance and orchestral and uh, musical tour schedule. Uh, and I didn't have a whole lot of days off, so it took a lot of effort to get to a movie. I was really surprised that, that I actually saw 16 movies that year. I really didn't expect it to be that many. So a movie had to really have my attention and my desire to see it. Uh, I was not in a, in a position where it was just like, oh, that doesn't look half bad, let's go. You know, it's, Tom, Tom Cruise is weird because I'm not a big fan of Tom Cruise the person. But for some reason, every movie he comes out with, I'm on board. I like his movies. Uh, he's he's good. I never hate watching him in a movie, and I really couldn't care less who he is off screen. I mean, he, he is what it is. Yeah. He doesn't he no. doesn't hurt anyone, as far as I know. So whatever. But you know, when I have seen him in films, he's he's really good. I don't. I will never deny that he's got. You know, he earns every penny he makes. But just he tends to make movies that don't particularly interest me. Mm. All right. It's the great dichotomy of Tom Cruise. I mean, as uh, the arguably the most visible and recognizable member of the Church of Scientology and certainly one of the most influential members of the Church of Scientology, that makes it kind of hard to like him because that church is notorious for uh, being horrible to the people who try to leave the Church of Scientology. But at the same time, it is undeniable that Tom Cruise is very, very watchable. 
in any movie that he does. He is able, he is able to mummy movie. I like that. I like that movie. Well, you, you guys liked it. I didn't like it. But, yeah. I, I didn't actually watch the movie. And I'll, I, I will clarify. He doesn't necessarily make a movie good, but he is watchable in the movie, whether the movie is good or bad. Fair enough. He is giving it 150% every time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And he, he, I think more than anyone else, is when he's on screen, he can completely leave behind the public image that he that that he projects as a person and just be the performance yeah and he's he's the kind of actor it's like okay we're gonna we're gonna have your stunt double we're gonna have somebody fly this helicopter and your stunt double is gonna crash oh no no i'm a i'm actually gonna learn how to fly a helicopter just to do that scene so so yeah we're gonna do that He's well, he strapped himself to the side of a goddamn C seventeen for the. <laughs> that was Mission yeah. Impossible Four, if I remember correctly. They did that, yeah. That, yep. that one was no, that one was five. Was that five? Okay, yep, I haven't seen five yet. Learning to fly a helicopter was the sixth one. Hanging onto the side of the plane was the fifth one. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, breaking his own ankle was, I think, also the sixth one. Yeah, that was the sixth one. And then the, the, yeah. the thing where he almost drowned himself in a tank of water, that was that was the fifth one. <laughs> yeah. But, okay. Number eight. Uh, the Nutty Professor with Eddie Murphy and Jada Pinkett. And y'all are going to make me mad if you say this movie is bad because this movie had me in stitches. <laughs> this movie is quintessential 90s um Cotton candy comedy fluff. Yeah, that's that's fit for the whole family to watch. The sequel, the sequel is bad, but this first one, it's okay because by this point Eddie Murphy had not done the play six characters on screen at one time into the ground like he would eventually do shortly after this. At this point, it was still new, so it was it was kind of entertaining. There's there was some some fun to be had with this movie. I, 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 the Nutty Professor is just a fun movie. It's it's just funny, and I'm not even going to say that the second one was that bad. I like the second one. Me and my wife went and saw the second one on a date night when the. Of course, it could have been the fact that we hadn't been on a date night in forever because the kids were s- small and everything, and we were just happy to be watching anything. But. <laughs> I think Man. this may be one of those instances where the age difference between you and I matters, because <laughs> I thought we we I didn't see it in the in theaters. I, I remember we watched it uh, on home video of some sort. I don't know if it was you know HBO or or DVD or whatever. Or I guess well yeah DVDs. Uh, no, they didn't have DVDs yet in '96, did they? Yeah. No. They existed, no. but they weren't you. They were yeah. and anyway. They didn't have it. The, we were didn't. watching it at my friend's house, and I remember the 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 scene where he, I guess he's having a dream or something where he's giant, and they close does does this close up of his butt, and the the giant fart rolling out, and I was like, I am so done with this movie, and I walked out. <laughs> so it was just too, it was too stupid for me. It was not. It wasn't even funny. It was just like this is not in any way funny and I, I laughed I just I'm, I missed the because uh, I had to I had to step away and deal with something with the kids uh, so I missed um, what this film was and the Nutty, the professor. nutty professor no 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 no, no, no. I got oh. it because you described that scene and what else <laughs> could it be 
<laughs> but, but what I was saying is this may be uh, an instance of uh, just at the time you guys were closer to kids when this movie came out and so you might have thought it was it was funny to you but to me it was just stupid and annoying I would say I was that 19 18 yeah I'm gonna I'm gonna say yes to both of those things it was stupid but it was also like there were parts of it that were really dumb and not good like the scene you just described but there were also parts of it that were hilarious um and it was it was like <laughs> a few months ago uh you know we're cause we have we basically we have like Friday Friday night movie night and yeah we watch the new stuff that comes out but you know every now and then we'll also watch you know oh hey have you guys ever seen this we have never seen this right and so uh me <laughs> me and my wife they go nutty professors that's a family film right I think, I'm, we're, we're going we had you know seen it in 20 years we think, yeah, okay i remember that was funny that's a, like some of these jokes are a little bit raunchy but they're not going to get those jokes i think i think it's fine lots of fart humor i remember lots of fart humor so they'll get that they'll like oh yeah <laughs> that film is not for kids. <laughs> no, no, it's not. It's not. That film <laughs> is very. But remember, it, it was the '90s, which means if there's a fat person in the movie, then half of the jokes have to be about farts. But <laughs> <laughs> well, see, here's you know, from right or wrong, I was okay with the fart jokes, like for the kids. But it was it was way more raunchy Eddie Murphy. Then I remember Goofy Nutty Professor. Uh, so, yeah, we had to stop that one. <laughs> <laughs> about about the time uh, Lean Eddie Murphy. Well, Buddy yeah. Love, yeah, but yeah, Buddy Love was not subtle in his advances. Yeah, yeah that's true. <laughs> and it would have, you know. We're not ready to have those conversations yet. So. <laughs> well, it's like we just we just find uh, Emily and I watched uh, Jumanji: uh, The Next Level the other night for the first time, and I'm glad Sharon wasn't here because I know she'll want to watch it, and I don't want to have the testicle discussion with her just yet. Oh no! <laughs> oh. Well, did you have the? Uh... All of the dick jokes went right over her head in the first one. Okay. So and there I was like, that, yeah, they were they were they were subtle about it. They were subtle enough that she didn't get them, and I was like, <laughs> "This thing is okay. crazy." <laughs> like, goodbye, dude. Or you know, you, we got a situation here. I'm, she didn't ask me what the situation was, and I was like, "Good." <laughs> <laughs> All right, number seven is uh, uh, <laughs> Ransom with uh, Mel Gibson, Renee Russo, directed by Ron Howard. Yes, before Mel Gibson went. Schizo. Um, yeah, this. <laughs> I like suspense and I like thrillers, but that movie was kind of. It was just it was a predictable movie, so it was just kind of paint by numbers. I didn't like the ending to it either, really. But I've seen it, not in a theater, but I have seen it. I like most of the stuff that Ron Howard directs. That one is just not, not great. Yeah, I think this is one of Donnie Wahlberg's first films too, because he's in it. I don't even know that I remember this one. This is Mel Gibson and Rene Russo's son gets uh, kidnapped. Give me and, back my uh, son. Yeah. Yeah. And then he has like this huge ransom to get him back. And so, yeah. I'm sure I, okay. I actually remember the scene with the ransom. 
Yeah. And so like he, he's like, I've got the money, but I'm going to turn this into a bounty on your head. Was that this? Yep. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that was it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, it's all right. I found it. I found it uncomfortable. This is one of those movies where I saw. I think I saw it in the theater. Um, oh, yeah. and if I didn't, then it was soon after it came out on home video. I think I saw it once, and I was okay with not seeing it again because even you know, at ninety six, I wasn't even twenty years old at that point, but I still could pick up on the on the deep discomfort of a story centering around a, a kidnapped uh, child being held hostage. Um, it just it, it it gave me the heebie-jeebies. I, I yeah. didn't I didn't really like it. I thought the performances were were solid, uh, real real strong performances. I thought it was uh, very well directed. Mm-hmm. But I don't want to put myself through that story again. Hmm. That's understandable, and that was kind of the start of a trend in the in the mid to late nineties of coming out with these uh, thrillers that were more and more uh, dark. You know, mm-hmm. like uh, I think the net. Either that same year or the year after is when uh, Seven came out, which is one of my favorite movies. But it's a dark thriller or suspense movie, you know. So mm-hmm. much like uh, 101 Dalmatians, which is the next one on our list, which starring I've uh, never seen the Glenn Close one. Uh, Glenn Close and Jeff Daniels. I, I this is uh, like uh, Rick's review of Sweet Tooth. I was in the room once when it was on. <laughs> <laughs> so uh no we used to um i used to work at a big box bookstore here in alabama and uh we had the kids section they always had a tv with a movie going all the time and they had like little seats and the kids could come in and sit down and watch the movie while their parents were shopping and stuff and um the 101 Dalmatians was one of the ones that got played about 5,000 times. So I probably saw the entire movie just stocking books in the section, in that section. Uh, just not all, not linearly, not in linear fashion. <laughs> <laughs> Anybody else? I saw it. It was me. Meh. Glenn, Glenn, Glenn yeah. as, as you would expect, Glenn Close gave, uh, a sublime and exquisite performance. <laughs> and that's all I vaguely remember about the film. Yeah, I know it, it had was, Hugh I mean, Laurie in it, and uh, and there were a bunch of Dalmatians. And I know that it it sparked a bunch of people buying Dalmatians for their kids, and then a bunch of Dalmatian Dalmatians showing up at pounds after that, oh. uh, because uh, people don't realize how much work a Dalmatian is. They're very hyper animals, you know. They're not lay on your lap and they just scratch their head while you watch a movie kind of dog you know mm-hmm. yeah so to be I fair saw... the movie does indicate that they're not pleasant <laughs> yeah like they're not calm and, no. and snuggly I saw the movie once I sat down and I actually paid attention to this one beginning to end and that was a week and a half ago <laughs> wow okay <laughs> I um, one of my favorite podcasts outside of this network that I will listen to uh, on a regular basis is uh, on the Headgum Network called We Hate Movies, and they oh, recently I've, yeah I've listened to We Hate Movies before yeah um, they they recently covered uh, this 
101 Dalmatians as a tie-in to uh, Cruella. So they di- they did a, a review of 101 Dalmatians, so I I uh, <clears throat> acquired it so I could watch it and then immediately listen to the podcast. They're one of the very few podcasts that I will I will watch a movie I've never seen just so I can listen to them talk about it. So they did the they did the cartoon and then they did this one and then they did 102 and then they did Cruella. No, they just did this one. Oh, okay. I know. Like now, playing does that a lot where they'll watch all the movies in a series, gearing up for a theatrical release, and they would have watched the cartoon if there was any TV movies that came out between. When they did their RoboCop review, they went and they did the RoboCop, the Sci-Fi Channel movies. You know, they did all of them. Oh, yeah. Wow. Now, yeah. now playing will they they will grind their way through an entire series, no matter how far-reaching uh, some of the spin-offs are. They'll they'll do them all. Uh, we hate movies. They're not necessarily like that. Um, yeah. Yeah. They. It's oh, it's it's 25 years since 101 Dalmatians came out, and Cruella's coming out. We'll do 101 Dalmatians, but but that's <laughs> it. The Hunchback of Notre Dame came out on June 21st of that year. This was part of Disney's 90s renaissance. Uh, mm-hmm. They had a lot of movies come out in the 90s that are now considered Disney classics. Oh gosh, and, this is probably one of the darkest ones that they did in the nineties too. This, yeah, this is it's, not one of my favorites. I watched it yeah. one time when it was in the theaters on a uh, date. Yeah, but you got to admit, Hellfire, best villain song ever. Come on, <laughs> this, this, is, this is my favorite uh, of the Disney Renaissance period. This is my favorite one. See, it needs to be the beast, but Hunchback is a number two. Oh no, Aladdin is mine no. definitely. Yeah, no. This is this doesn't even. I don't even consider this part of the Disney Renaissance. Honestly, sorry. Uh, <laughs> okay, all right, so, fine. <laughs> I mean, I recognize that it's Disney, and I recognize that it was in the time frame, but it was. This is like, it was kind of winding down with Hercules, and this is like, yeah, we're just gonna go. <laughs> now, Hercules was after this. Hercules was ninety seven. Yeah, Hercules was ninety seven. Well, then this definitely doesn't make the cut. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Hercules tried to no. This it is so, and I'm not even saying it's a bad movie, but it is so different in tone uh, from the others that I think of during, like as as part of that era. Uh, I yes, it is a Disney movie. Yes, it is a '90s Disney animated film with music and characters. But I don't think it was part of the Disney Renaissance. It's it's no. Sorry. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> it was well. The Disney Renaissance began with Little Mermaid in '89, and this was the first the first film where they kind of took a step off of the path that they had been uh, that they had been following. Yeah. Did Pocahontas the, come out before it or after it? Feels like after. Because I'm trying to remember, because both of them had sad endings. Yeah, I, w- I would say the the films that are kind of like on the bubble for me, and I don't I don't know the exact years, but uh, Hunchback, um, Pocahontas, Lilo and Stitch, only because I think it, it was really late. Yeah. Okay. Uh, po- Pocahontas was was 95. It was right okay. before Hunchback. Okay. 
Yeah, I think and it was not historically accurate whatsoever. No, <laughs> no, no. Tarzan, I would say, same kind of. Yeah, technically, you're. It's like you're invited to the party, but you're not one of the cool kids. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like yeah, you can you can come in. You're part of the club, but you know. Yeah, yeah well, was, I mean, you're, you're the one getting the drinks. Yeah, yeah, Tar- Tarzan was an outlier with that one. And then in 2000, you get Emperor's New Groove. It was fun, but it's it was definitely still outside the mold of the Renaissance. Yeah. 2001, yeah. you had Atlantis. 2002, Treasure Planet. And by then, the Renaissance is over. Yeah, yeah I, kinda, see, yeah, I, I like that. Treasure Planet, and I love Atlantis. I, I love those, but they're yeah. darker. <laughs> I, I like Treasure Planet. I like Atlantis. I like Emperor's New Groove. I like Lilo and Stitch. But they're... They're a different kind of film, right? Yeah, absolutely. And I, I'm, not, I'm not even, not even necessarily darker, but just more self-aware, mm-hmm. I guess. And that, yeah, I and agree. that, and that, and that bias nature kind of pulls some of the wide-eyed innocence of the of a the, of a of an Aladdin or a Little Mermaid out of yeah. Me. Well, there was a thing for a long time of Disney sticking to, like, literature or, you know, something along those lines. And then they started to branch away from that in the late 90s with uh, stuff like Lilo and Stitch. And uh, for a long time, it's just, what what classic novel are they going to do next? You know, uh, The Lion King was basically Hamlet. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, is Kimba the White Lion, too. Right, but, yeah. yep. <laughs> All right. Uh, number four is The Rock with the Nicolas Cage and Sean Connery. The one good Michael Bay film. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, that up. I feel like there might be two. Hang on. I unashamedly <laughs> love this movie. This is a classic 90s action movie. Had all the action movie tropes. And none of it makes any sense. Why would you carry a volatile chemical in a fragile glass ball? Yeah, uh, who cares? <laughs> because it looks cool. Because it looks yeah. cool. <laughs> Nicholas Cage is over the top, as usual. Uh, did Michael Bay do uh, Con Air? No, no, he did not. It no. was a. No. It was another Jerry Bruckheimer movie, but Con okay. Air was directed by Simon West. Okay. All right. Well, um, I was about to say, well, that there's your second one right there because I love Con he Air. Did Armageddon? Do you consider Armageddon a good movie? Sometimes. No. <laughs> uh, and I think this is one of Sean Connery's last movies. No, it's not the. It, oh well, no, he's no, it's not his last movie, but it's, it's he one, was yeah. he was winding down. Well, yeah. when did uh, League of Extraordinary Gentlemen come out? Ninety two, nine, or excuse me, two thousand two, two thousand three. Um, yeah, that was early two thousand. That was his last. That was the movie that finally told him. Yeah, I know, him. and it's become a cult classic, ironically enough, which also My. has. Notre Dame in it. <laughs> I, oh, I love it. Oh, okay. I don't know if I buy League of Extraordinary Gentlemen being a cult classic. It is. It's becoming a cult. Slowly but surely, it's becoming fair. a cult classic. Yeah, there, there's some cheesy stuff to it, but my my favorite line from a movie is not even a line that's in that movie. <laughs> so, okay. so we were, my wife and I were watching this. Um, when did you say it came out? What year? Uh, Le- uh, League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, like yeah. 2003, 2000, something like that. Yeah, yeah. It was yeah. early 2000s. Okay. It was 2003. So, so we got married in 2003. 
so this this was either right before we got married or right after we got married. Where it was on, we were watching. Oh, okay, this looks fun. And I can't remember what the scene was, but <clears throat> Sean Connery had just delivered some line where somebody talks smack to him, and he just, you know, you don't know what you're talking about. You know, like, I'm so much better than you, whatever. And then he paused, as if to say, "Bitch." <laughs> <laughs> and it it like the pause was perfect. My delivery was perfect. So, like, I think of it as, like, that line is inserted in that film for me. Okay. <laughs> um, but what do you guys think of The Rock? <laughs> the Rock, yeah, that, that, that film is Oh, that was last. great. It was great. It's actually one of my husband's favorite films. Michael's going to get his ass. Yeah, it's not, it's, <laughs> not, it's not, like, in my list of... T- favorite movies but when it's on I watch it you know it was on cable a year or so ago and I was doing nothing so I watched it and I was like man I remember that being a good movie and it still is <laughs> this actually was um, this is this is one of my favorite movies for a while this is definitely one of my top 10 movies for a while mm-hmm. Scott what do you, what, you think of it uh, I I always enjoyed The, the Rock I, uh, I think it's a fun movie it's it is very Michael Bay, but it's not. I, we already cited Armageddon. It's not Armageddon level. This is, you know, early days Michael Bay before he has giant transformers with wrecking balls for testes. <laughs> it's it's a it's a straightforward action movie. You got yourself a nice tidy little uh, a tidy little plot thread with uh, poison gas and and Alcatraz. So you have a, a, a nice fun setting. Um, you got Tony Todd. You got uh, I, the, the cast is wonderful. It's a wonderful cast. I think William Forsythe is in there. Um, you got yeah. uh, Tony Todd. I think Bokeem Woodbine is one of the one of the bad guys. Ed Harris does a great job. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, John Spencer as a as a bad good guy. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> yeah, he's the good bad guy. Guys. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, he's technically one of the good guys, but he's a dick um, and. John Spencer is just great all the time. Um, a very young Claire Formani making an appearance for like a scene, and then then she's out. Um, uh, the action is is well choreographed and it's well paced and keeps things uh, uh, keeps keeps things moving at a good clip. And then you get Sean Connery just being more action star than we've ever seen him before, and able to deliver great lines like you know get get ready for the. Uh, for the for the coin drop because I'm going to pull a Rick here <laughs> as he leans in close to Nicholas Cage says, you're bashed losers always whine about their bashed <laughs> winners go home and f- <laughs> the prom queen that's right yes <laughs> really yeah. good lines in that movie yeah <laughs> gentlemen welcome to the rock how in good the name music. Of Zeus's bunghole, did you get out of your cell? <laughs> I may be misquoting, but that was the gist. Yeah, it was yeah, it close, close, close enough. I think he put more emphasis on the word bunghole. I think he had to say, <laughs> bunghole? My kids are in the next room. And again, I, won't have <laughs> I drive a, Volvo, say, Daddy? a beige one. Mm-hmm. 
You're making me want to watch this movie tonight. <laughs> <laughs> number number three is uh, Mission Impossible with Tom Cruise and John Voight. It was uh, it was one of the it was the uh, one of the summer blockbusters from that year because it came out on May 22nd. And all right, so I'm too I'm too young to have seen Mission Impossible when it was originally on TV. I mean, I've seen episodes since then, but. I remember the resurgence of Mission Impossible in the eighties. My parents watched watched that, and I remember it being on. Um, but people my age, Mission Impossible is a film series and not a TV show. Hmm. Um, okay. And well, yes, for, I for some people your age. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I was going to say, granted, I granted, <laughs> most people, most people my age and younger. When you say Mission Impossible, the first thing they think of is not the TV show. The first thing they think of is the movie. I think that's fair. I remember um, Martin Landau. Is that the yeah, mm-hmm. show? Mm-hmm. Okay. The, so the Martin Landau, Peter Graves. Leonard Nimoy was on that show. Yeah, yeah. I was on for a while. So uh, the movie premiere, the the movie premiered, and Kennedy from MTV was like working the red carpet and Martin Landau was there and she was like are you a big Tom Cruise fan? Oh my gosh she didn't know who he was? No. She, he went off. I believe it. I believe it. He's like, he's like you don't know that this is a ch- oh my god you kissed today. <laughs> I'm sure the clip's on YouTube. It, now I knew I knew that Mr. Phelps was not a bad guy in the in the TV series, no. and they made him the bad guy in in the movie. And everybody's yeah. always mad about that. But yep. I mean, I think that's kind of why they did it. <laughs> they they wanted to subvert things and change things around. So yeah, but it's well, but, it worked because I never saw another one after that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. well, Mr. Phelps wasn't in the much. rest of them, and he was well, he was the one, okay. That, okay. The, one look, the one that people hate is too. Not no. One. Wait, 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 wait. Let me let me just jump in here because okay. I am that demographic that was pissed off by it, and it was as bad as if J.J. Abrams had made Jim Kirk the bad guy in his 2009 movie. Oh yeah, absolutely. That's the level of kicking the balls to all y'all who who watched this show and are here because you watched this show. I we're gonna say <laughs> you hard backwards with sandy glass. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I I understand. Yeah, I don't understand what you mean by backwards. Yeah, I mean Peter Graves <laughs> film and he hated it so much. It was uh, but it was wasn't so clever. It wasn't subversive it was lazy and i don't throw that word around because i I know people say lazy writing all the time and don't know what they're talking about um in this instance it was you know oh what's the what's the most crazy thing we can do let's make phelps the bad guy yeah now we don't have to think of anything else no i actually agree with you rick i no i do too no i I, hated the ending i didn't grow up watching the show my brothers did they're older so I was aware of the show. I don't think I've ever seen an episode, maybe even to this day. I don't think I've ever seen an episode. Uh, so I didn't have any particular love for the character of Phelps. But it, I, I agree. It was not a twist. It was, it was the most obvious twist. Yeah. And so it was dumb and, un- and unsatisfying. Mm. So that, yeah, I, I, two may be like worldwide the least popular one is the is, is my least favorite because of that and, and there wasn't really any reason to do it 
No. Because anyone... It was just to be shocked any, value. Yeah, anyone could have been that mole. Literally anyone could have been that mole. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, it, it just felt like, you know, Tom Cruise waving his, waving his Tom Cruise around. Well, okay, the thing that, besides the ending, the other thing that pissed me off was... They had that whole, like, oh, his wife turned out to be alive, and she tried to seduce, you know, Tom Cruise's character for whatever reason. Okay. (laughs) I was like, what? (laughs) She just, quote-unquote, lost her husband, and now she's already jumping. Okay. Once again, this is the 90s. It's the mid-90s, which means that as long as an attractive female character is turning herself into an object for the benefit and the pleasure of the male lead in the movie, we don't need to have a reason why, just as long as she does it, because it's the 90s. And I thought it was in poor taste. Eh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, that's that's the point. That's what I'm trying to say. They were The, the movies in the 90s were yeah. usually in poor taste as far as that goes. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, the first well, not my favorite, but eh. the thing that got me was the way that they introduced uh, a brand new team at the beginning of the movie, and, and they killed, killed most of them in the first ten minutes and of the movie. Emilio Estevez. Like, yeah, they crushed Emilio Estevez in an elevator shaft. I don't remember the second one being that bad. Everybody says uh, that, that was second the John one. John Woo one with all of the crazy slow mo. Yeah, I liked it. Yeah, I've enjoyed all of them. I've enjoyed every Mission Impossible movie. I like it. I, I didn't say I hated it. I'm just saying that most fans don't like it. So, I think the reason that that uh, the the ratings go down with the second movie is because as as an action centric spy movie directed by John Woo, it's fine. It's it's a fine John Woo movie. It's not a good sequel to. The Mission Impossible we got in 96. Mm. The tone is so wildly different and the character of I, well, really the only uh, carryover is Ethan Hunt. He gets some Ving Rhames but, you know, he Ving Rhames plays Ving Rhames. That's, that's how that works. <laughs> now, the character of Ethan Hunt behaves so wildly differently from the first movie to the second movie. The action is staged and presented so differently Everything about the production is so different that it there's not really much of a connection to the first movie. So it mm-hmm. doesn't really serve as a sequel. It's just another movie with the same with the same series title on it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then by the time by the time you get J.J. <laughs> Abrams coming in for the third one, he still directs a very different movie than Brian De Palma. But it's a lot closer to the first one than eh, the second good point, one. Mm-hmm. Good point. Though a little bit of trivia, the reason why uh, Doug Ray Scott. Because he was originally supposed to be Wolverine in the first mm-hmm. X-Men film. Yep. He turned it down to be in Mission Impossible 2. <laughs> well, that's yeah. it, cl- close, close, but not quite. He didn't turn it down to do Mission Impossible 2. He he was forced to give up the role because oh, Mission okay. Impossible 2 went long in production. That's okay. Yeah. They, they had to recast him because he was late working on Mission Impossible 2 and they needed to get started so they had to drop it's funny how these Mission Impossible movies keep f***ing <laughs> up comic book films <laughs> <laughs> anyway <laughs> alright uh, next one on the list is uh, Twister starring Helen Hunt and Bill Paxton uh, I have a funny story about Twister 
Okay, so right. I was living in Indiana at the time when that movie came out. Uh, I was just out of college, and I was back in Indiana near my folks. And there was a huge-ass hurricane uh, or a tornado that came out and pretty much leveled most of southern Indiana the same week that Twister came out. <laughs> 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 they were like, well, okay, all right, this is, this is ironic. <laughs> <laughs> Um, Rick, this is one of the ones that you have seen, right? What did you think of this one? <laughs> Are we sure? It, it, yeah, um, it was hard to not see Twister. Um, yeah. It was fine. It was fine. I, I saw it the one time, and that, that was sufficient. Um, I, you know, the cow. Uh, I, 96. Star of the movie, apparently. Um. <laughs> At that point, I had already been in one theater that had the roof torn off by a twister during a show. See? <laughs> um, so, you know, it, it, I, I wasn't too happy <laughs> with the movie, but, um, you know, things, you know, it was, it was, you know, silly, you know, basically science fiction-y, what if tornado, tornadoes were nowhere near as dangerous as people think they are? Uh, so we're gonna go sit inside one kind of thing. I don't know. I didn't. I didn't mind it. Uh, you know, Bill Paxton is always fun to watch. Um, I couldn't tell you much about the plot other than it was these guys with this tricked out pickup truck chasing tornadoes, and I think that's pretty much it. Yeah, and Helen Hunt's got like she's got a vendetta against the tornado because it killed her father. <laughs> like, it's not the same tornado. Oh, you know oh that, the right? tornado must. <laughs> I just um, I, the the one scene that really sticks out in my head is the scene where they're in the middle of the tornado hanging on to like gas pipes or something and it yeah, they, they're right. fine. A, a no, the, they're, they're the final scene of the movie, yeah. A, a pipe. Yeah. yeah. They're, they're you know at the very least just be a couple of bloody arms maybe wrapped around the pipes when the tornado went by. Yeah, the tor- <laughs> tornadoes are they were not very realistic. Coming from somebody that grew up in Alabama where we have a very active tornado season every year. Not realistic. <laughs> no. But you know, um, it wasn't a documentary, so it was it was a yeah. bit of fluff and it was fun. Mm. Alright, the last one uh, the last one of the, the top money makers is Independence Day with uh, Will Smith, Jeff Goldblum and everybody else. Big came surprise. out on July third <laughs> that year. This was I mean this was this was a huge movie as far as marketing goes. I mean it yeah. you knew it was coming, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh I know I'm not supposed to like this movie, but I do like it. You're allowed it. to like whatever you like. Dude. <laughs> but uh, I did. I, I mean, I, I do. I do not like the sequel that they came out with a couple of years ago. That was that was bad. But there's a lot of stuff in 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 uh, Independent State that doesn't make sense. Like it doesn't make sense that Jeff Goldblum is able to connect his laptop to an alien computer, an alien ship, and fly it. You know, and put a virus in it and all that kind of stuff. Uh, but you know, whatever. It was a it was a, a fun popcorn movie with some cool special effects, and uh, and it made Will Smith a uh, a household name. I wouldn't say that. Well, his rap career did that, but I'd say his- Will Smith was. I, I it certainly didn't hurt his career, but it didn't make it. The Fresh Prince of the Fresh Prince of Bel Air. Everybody knew him from Fresh Prince, but. And when he made Independence Day, that's when he became Mr. July the 4th. For like the next four years, the big money-making movie that came out was a Will Smith movie. And Independence Day was what started that. True. Yeah. 
I'll so. give you that. Yeah, it it didn't. It's not what made him a star, but it was the first stone in. It was the first stepping stone in in the river they crossed to superstardom. Yeah. Well, I would. I, I think it's fair to say he was already a star, and Independence Day made him a movie star. Right. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. I'll get, that, that, I'll... that was that was my subtext. It wasn't clear enough, John. You you helped me out. Thank you. <laughs> That's what I do. Fill, filling in my gaps. My problem with the movie, and I will have over the years come to come to grips with the fact that a big part of my hating this movie is my own fault. Because I, for some reason, bought the ads hook, line, and sinker and was expecting a good science fiction film instead of whatever it is. Because it's not that. You know, there, there were just so many things about that movie that were stupid and you know but if I had known that going in I might have just been able to say okay this is just a big stupid blow everything up movie and I'd have been fine with it but I, the the ads the, the, made it look like it was going to be something more than it was mm-hmm. and it was yeah. I think that comes down a lot to the uh, the, the, the filmmakers uh, this was a, a Dean Devlin and Roland Emmerich film the guys they who hit. managed to screw up Godzilla, by the way. Mm-hmm. Exactly. <laughs> that, was, that was later. Exactly. <laughs> later, but still. They, they, they did give us Stargate, and that's fine. But honestly, I think that you know they, they made an okay sci-fi movie that became a great franchise in the hands of other people and not them. Yes. And then they continued on making more movies. And what what they did more and more as their movie making career continued is they would con- they would continually make sacrifices of logic and good storytelling for the sake of what they thought looked cool they will bend the story any which way they have to in order to get what they think is a cool shot on film and if it doesn't make sense they do not care and Independence Day was one of the early examples of them sacrificing logic uh, in order to get uh, great big explodey shots of the White House and, and you yeah. know cities on fire yeah. and ships flying around and okay well we gotta resolve this story somehow um, computer virus sure just you know whatever's whatever's quickest because we need to wrap up this movie uh, we can we can have a, a human uh, laptop computer interface with a, a massive alien network on a on a mothership the size of God knows what yeah, that'll work. You know what? It might help if you think of Independence Day less as um, like a blockbuster movie and more like a really awesome live action Saturday morning cartoon. <laughs> <laughs> That's about what it is. That's pretty much what it is. Mm. With Jeff Goldblum. <laughs> So Independence Day is to science fiction what Home Alone is to home defense and what Space Jam is to basketball. Okay, see? Yeah. Yeah, we got this. I wouldn't go that far. (laughs) I I, I would say Independence Day is a science fiction film. Uh, I would say Independence Day is to science fiction what, let's see, (laughs) what Fast and the Furious is to auto racing. (laughs) <laughs> All right. 
I'm going to go through this list of uh, Oscar winners quickly so that uh, you guys have time to talk about other stuff that uh, that wasn't on these these lists. But uh, the best best film and best director both went to The English Patient that year. Oh, God, I actually saw that. that movie is boring. It was okay. It was a good movie, but it was a very long and slow movie. But it, but it was a. I say it was a good movie, maybe not the most entertaining movie. (laughs) Sorry, what was that, Sean? I fell asleep. (laughs) Best actor went to Jeffrey Rush from Shine. One hundred percent, one hundred percent deserved. He he was fantastic. Best actress went to Frances McDormand from Fargo. Which also uh, was just her. Same. Uh, yes. Fargo is one of my top ten favorite films. Oh, um, yeah. <laughs> best supporting actor went to Cuba Gooding Jr. from uh, Jerry Maguire. Yep. <laughs> best supporting actress went to Lauren Bacall in The Mirror Has Two Faces. Hmm. Which only she and the critics saw. <laughs> I've seen that movie. I've seen it. Yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. I mean, it was not great. Not the not the greatest movie in the world, but it was it was all right. Uh, that was one of those sleeper performances that sneaks in when you're not looking. Yeah. <laughs> best adapted screenplay was Sling Blade. Uh, mm-hmm. Best original screenplay was Fargo. Best original score was The English Patient. Best original song was You Must Love Me from Evita. Yeah. Okay. And that's not even in the goddamn play. No, it was it's, made specifically for the that's film. Why it's that's original. why it's original song for the movie, dude. <laughs> oh, oh. Okay. <laughs> I mean, come on. <laughs> which, is why it's, which is why it's in the movie. They wanted an original song in the movie so it would be an Oscar contender. Mm-hmm. But... Okay, uh, what do you guys have that you want to add to the list, Scott? Um, well, I took down. Uh, I'm basically gonna, most of these. I'm just going to be listing titles off of here. Um, but I I did uh, curate a list of sequels that we got in 1996, including Tremors 2, To Serve with Love 2, which was I think like about 30 years after the previous film. Uh, Poison Ivy 2, which was popular at the video store because uh, everyone thought they were going to see Alyssa Milano naked, and I honestly don't know if you do in that movie because I never watched it. Uh, Land Before Time 4, Homeward Bound 2, Hellraiser 4, we got two made-for-TV alienation films that were sequels to the TV series. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, the third installment in the Best of the Best series, where it stopped being about uh, competition martial arts and it started becoming about uh, guns and bad guys and, and, and shooting people. Uh, we got Lawnmower Man 2, which is not a sequel to the first one. Don't try to call it that, because that's silly. It's it's a bad, bad movie. Bloodsport 2, they couldn't even get Jean-Claude Van Damme to come back for this one. But they somehow got Pat Morita to be in this. Yikes. <laughs> and then the first of multiple sequels to The Crow. We got Crow City of Angels in 1996. Uh, non-sequels. Um, uh, we talked about Broken Arrow. We got Dragonheart, which is a, a good, fun uh, uh, fantasy-type film. I, I did like that movie, Dragonheart. yeah. yeah. Um, From Dusk Till Dawn was in 96. We didn't talk about that one. Uh, Generation X, the made-for-TV um, uh, X-Men film. It was, well, a, an X-Men spin-off-ish comic with uh, Matt Frewer at his most Jim Carrey 
<laughs> oh, holy cow. Um, we got Gina Davis and Samuel L. Jackson in uh, the Shane Black uh, written Long Kiss Goodnight. Oh, I remember that movie, yeah. We got the big screen adaptation of the, the classic hero, The Phantom, with Billy Zane and a lot yep. of purple. Oh, yeah. Because, <laughs> because 1996 was the year where we slam evil. <laughs> uh, oddly enough, in the year that we got a sequel to Bloodsport, we also got The Quest, which was Jean- Jean-Claude Van Damme essentially remaking Bloodsport with a different name and a slightly different plot. Uh, you mentioned Sling Blade. We got Space Truckers with Stephen Dorff and um, Dennis Hopper. Whew, if you want, if, if, if you want a, a, a tripped out wacky movie, this is an interesting watch. Uh, Spy Hard with Leslie Nielsen in another um, Zucker Brothers style comedy where he really started running out of gas. It's it's not funny, but you get Andy Griffith as the villain, which you never thought you were going to see. That was the James Bond spoof, right? It was yes. mo- mostly it was all action movies, but it was mostly a James Bond spoof. Yes. And I remember Weird Al did the theme song. Uh huh. Yeah. Um, I'm I'm surprised that uh, we have not yet talked about Star Trek: First Contact came out in '96 because it didn't make as much money. We uh, that's true. all we've talked about so far. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah I suppose that's true. I suppose that's true. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Tom Berenger in the first installment in The Substitute which turned into a direct-to-video series uh, for another three movies after this, starring Treat Williams. They're fun. They're okay. Not great, but they're fine. Um, a nice little indie film, uh, The War at Home, starring Emilio Estevez and Martin Sheen, also directed by Emilio Estevez. Um, uh, it's, a, it's a little uh, post-Vietnam War uh, family drama. Um, it, it's very... It has independent film written all over it, um, but it, I remember it being uh, pretty impressive when I saw it uh, the year after it came out. I'm a big fan of That Thing You Do, which also came out this year. But the top of my list for 1996 is a film that almost no one has heard of. Uh, it was originally going to be a student film for two, um, uh, for, for two college students in Salt Lake City. Uh, they were going to make this film as part of their... Um, studies in uh, their film studies course they ended up dropping out of school so they could make this movie instead which they were making for school uh, they, they were able to film and put together a trailer which they then shopped around so they could get money to make the actual movie oh I know what you're talking they about they actually <laughs> making the movie yet uh, eventually they got it made they got it released under the banner of Troma Films who gave us the Toxic Avenger Sergeant Kabuki Man NYPD and many many others uh, and eventually they, are, they were able to <clears throat> parlay the success from this film and a few other projects into South Park we have yep. Trey Parker and Matt Stone in Cannibal Cannibal the Musical. The movie yes it was just greatest Cannibal the Musical <laughs> <laughs> Cannibal the Musical is fun. I think this movie is a delight. Uh, there's a lot of crude humor, but if you can get past the obvious low budget that they have, the the jokes that they put in, the comedy that they're shooting for, they know what they're making. They're very self-aware of what they're doing. And they they really make it very funny. If you as long as you look past the production values and you see the the humor that they're trying to put across, it, it really does land. And the songs are fun too. Mm-hmm. 
Never heard of it. I'm gonna have to look that up. It's pretty funny. I highly recommend looking it up. It's it it's it's a lot of fun. And if you pay really close attention, then you can see um, the the seeds of what would eventually become some of the recognizable voices from South Park. Yep. All right, Rick. What about you? You got some you want to add? I do. I have some uh, hidden gems from the year. Um, we have the Kids in the Hall movie, Brain Candy, which oh, yeah, Kids in the Hall that. fan, you need to watch it. It's tons of fun. Dark as hell. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we had the Mystery Science three, Mystery Science Theater 3000 movie where they did This Island Earth, um, which is always enjoyable. The Craft, one of my favorite witch movies ever. Um which, if you don't know what, what it's about, it's it's about uh, four high school girls who start playing around with Ouija boards and witchcraft, and, and uh, not-so-hilarity ensues. Mm. I think there's a sequel that, like, just came out. It's I think awful. they're talking about one, or, or did it no, come it out? it just or? came out. It just yeah, there's one that's out now. It's, it's, it's called the, the Craft and then something underneath that. I don't... Yeah. It's, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I think that was a. I think that was a lightning in a bottle one time. One time yeah, only. Yeah. Um, Scott, I'm surprised you didn't add Escape from L.A. to your list of sequels. Oh, you know what? I I I missed that one. Uh, um, I was I was going through the list kind of quickly because um, I had a few other things uh, that I had to that to catch. Yep, there it is, right there. Escape from L.A. You know, oh, okay. You know what? As I was going through the list, I saw Escape from. Um, and that's where my eyes stopped. I didn't ah. put together that it was that it that it was the second one. My my brain saw the first one. It is, you know, it, it it's one of those sequels where, you know, a lot of times in sequels it's just a rehash of the first movie and this mm. totally is, but the first movie was not, was not great anyway. It was just fun. And so doing it again just in LA was fun and there's a brilliant Bruce Campbell cameo that's just worth the price of admission. <laughs> Uh, I mentioned this. Uh, I don't remember what we were talking about this show, this movie the other day. It's a documentary uh, starring Al Pacino called Looking for Richard. Um, I don't even know if it got a major theatrical release or not. I got to, I had a friend of mine say, hey, I just got tickets to, free tickets to see this movie. You want to go? And uh, it's it's Al Pacino uh, talking about playing Richard III and, and putting on a production of Richard III. Uh, and he talks to lots of different people, and there's you know pr- scenes from the play. It's not like a full production of the play, uh, mm-hmm. but it's just it's just really you do, we, you know Al Pacino is not the first name you think of when Shakespearean actor comes to mind, yeah. um, <laughs> but he's actually really really good. It's amazing, mm-hmm. um, just blew me away. Uh, first contact. We will be talking about that soon, I presume. Yeah, on the uh, other show. On yeah. the other show, it'll be coming up soon. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and as you might have, have guessed from my first words on tonight's show, one of my all-time favorite movies came out in 1996, and that is Tim Burton's genius send-up of science fiction films, Mars Attacks. I was waiting for that. <laughs> um, you know, this was before Burton kind of climbed up his own butt, uh, and it, there are more cameos in this movie than, you know, it, you, you almost got the impression that People were calling him and saying, "Hey Tim, the next time you do a movie, I want to play a part in it." Because you, you've got Jack Nicholson playing two different people, uh, Glenn Close, uh, is it Priscilla Presley or what? 
one of the Presleys, she's the tall woman who bites Martin Short's finger off. Uh, Danny DeVito, Tom Jones, uh, that the uh, um, oh god, I can't remember the boxer's name. Um, Jim Brown. Jim Brown, thank you. Uh, uh, Pierce Brown. The international sign of the donut. Um, Michael Met- J. Fox. Uh, yeah. Um, um, Natalie Portman. It was her first her first role. Natalie Portman or no it couldn't have been Natalie Portman's first role that was the professional Sarah Jessica Parker are you thinking of uh, no 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 the, the, who played the president's daughter that was Natalie Portman right no no it was the other one I always get her uh, who, who was in in uh, who was in Star Wars that was Natalie Portman then yeah, who was in Pirates of the Caribbean Keira Knightley Keira Knightley, Keira Knightley. Knightley played her double in the first Star Wars movie yeah Mm-hmm. But I, now, I always get them mixed up. Now, um, Natalie Portman is in Mars Attacks, okay, but, it's but it's not, not her first role. It's okay. not her first movie. The Professional was her first movie. Okay, okay. okay. So I was wrong about that. Um, uh, yeah, you got Sarah Jessica Parker. You've got a very young Jack Black. Um, Pierce, Bro- Pierce Brosnan. Yeah, yeah, Pierce yep. Brosnan. Yeah. Uh, it, it's just, and it, it's a, it's a beautiful send up of fifties science fiction horror films. Uh, with the you know oh and the and the old woman who was the uh, who was Juno in Beetlejuice, uh, uh-huh. I think I may be wrong about this one too. I think this that was her last movie. I think Mars Attacks was her last movie. Um, but uh, just tons of fun uh, when when you know when Tim Burton was still kind of relatable to people. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> and that that's that's it for me. Yeah, you, right. you are correct. Um, uh, the, the actress you're thinking of is Sylvia Sidney. This was her final film. My favorite line that I, I post every few years, I feel it's necessary to post it, where, she, where the, Mar- the Martians just kill everybody in the in Congress, and she's just laughing. They blew up Congress. <laughs> <laughs> that was a wow. that was a trailer line. <clears throat> I enjoyed that one. Yeah, Mars Attacks is definitely. Um, an early example of Tim Burton having an extensive special effects budget and not ruining the movie with it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he can't do that anymore. But um, back then, he he was able to let the movie shine through the effects. And these days, it's just all about the effects. But having seen some of the original um, trading cards that were... Uh, that that showed you know the the whole Martian invasion story in trading card form. Um, saw a bunch of those, and then seeing the movie, you, you can see the parallels and mm-hmm. you see what he's pulling from. Uh, he, he does a good job. This one this one's a lot of fun. It's and it's not so uh, pretentious as his. No, excuse me, as his um, Charlie and Chocolate Factory and uh, Wonderland movies and Dark Shadows. Those are all yeah. just. Very, very pretentious. This one, not so much. Yeah, this was around the same time that he was doing, like, uh, I think Big Fish came out not long after that. That was a great one, too. That is a really good movie. Yeah. Uh, Okay. Jen, what about you? What you got? Uh, Okay. I got a list that unfortunately covers some of what you guys already talked about. Uh, The Truth About Cats and Dogs, which is basically Uma Thurman and Janine Garofalo redoing Cyrano de Bergerac. And it's actually very cute. I love that movie. Um, you didn't talk about a very Brady sequel, Scott. That's in there too for sequels that year. That was uh, I didn't like it, but it was a sequel that came out. <laughs> <laughs> I might have willfully passed that one over a little bit. 
Yeah. That, no, that, those I movies are fun. If you were a Brady Bunch fan, those movies are actually a lot of fun. I, I don't mind the first one. The second one was starting to get a little too crazy. Uh, the first Scream movie came out in 96. The Baz Luhrmann Romeo and Juliet. I still love that movie. That came out that year. I haven't been able to bring myself to watch it. I just... I, I'm I'm something of a purist when it comes to Shakespeare. I don't like them messing with the time frame. You're not gonna I, like it. Don't see mm-hmm. it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I know. That's why. Are I have you it. talking about the one yeah. with Leonardo DiCaprio? Yeah, you won't in like it. it. You won't like it. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, Romeo yes. plus Juliet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that one. I enjoy uh, it. Yeah. yeah, I like it. But okay, Primal Fear, which I to date I still think is Edward Norton's best role ever. Um, that came out that year. Uh, let's see, I'm scrolling up the list. Muppet Treasure Island. I'm surprised you haven't talked about that. Oh, I, I, I had it on my list and I, I, I my eyes slipped over it. I didn't. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I had a the, my only. I, I was worried about that one because it was either the first. It wasn't. No, wait a minute. It was the second Muppet movie to come out after Jim Henson died, if I'm remembering right. The first one was the Muppet Christmas Carol, and I, mm-hmm. I was, I didn't like it, and I couldn't put a finger on why I didn't like it. But there was just an, uh, uh, you know, uh, there was an ephemeral something missing. Mm-hmm. But then this movie came out, and I was like, they're back. Happy Gilmore came out that year, which is the only Adam Sandler comedy I like. Oh God! <laughs> Adam Sandler gets a bad rap. Uh, uh, you guys remember the Frighteners? That was like Peter, one of Peter Jackson's first directed films. Yeah, that's on my list. Yeah. I would have put it on my list, except I didn't see it until about five years ago. Well, it still counts. You've seen it. Yeah. It came out in 96, so it counts. <laughs> like, come on, I didn't uh, see 101 Dalmatians until two weeks ago. Yeah. You're fine. See? You're okay. Uh, let's see. Me, Gwyneth Paltrow, Emma. I actually enjoyed that. Um, that came out that year. I like her on screen. She's just an absolute waste off screen. She's just weird in, in person. <laughs> Well, but but she's also dangerous because of her her goop peddling yeah that's pseudo not, yeah. science bullshit. Uh, the cable guy, which was very dark for Jim Carrey at the time, that came out. Uh, Bound, which was the first film that the Wachowskis did, as Gina Gershon and Jennifer Tilly, one of the first in in my experience, one of the first lesbian couples on screen on in a movie. Um. The Birdcage, the one with Robin Williams and Nathan Lane. Madonna, Madonna, Madonna. <laughs> yeah, it was a remake. That's on my list, too. It's a remake of a French movie. Like Le, Le Cage à Folle. Le Cage yeah. à Folle. Le Cage à Folle. Yeah, I've, I've done the stage play a few times. Yeah. And <laughs> the last one I've got oh. is a little movie that a lot of people didn't see, but it is Charlize Theron's very first film. It is called Two Days in the Valley. The reason why a lot of people didn't see it is because it's very similar to Pulp Fiction. In fact, both of them have Eric Stoltz in them. And it's basically it takes place over two days. A murder happens, and a lot of people get involved, and it gets kind of crazy. Uh, I recommend it because I, in my opinion, think it's more fun than Pulp Fiction. <laughs> but it's compared a lot to it, so a lot of people kind of gloss it over. It has Danny Aiello, Jeff Daniels, James Spader, Charlize, Terry Hatcher, Eric Stoltz, and a lot of other like people in it. But it's, it's zany, uh, not nearly as you know Tarantino-esque as Pulp Fiction. But yeah, it's called Two Days in the Valley with the number two. Uh, worth a watch. Um, 
and of course it's still got James Spader playing an asshole because that's what he does <laughs> uh, it's, it's worth a watch I, I enjoy it but it's very passed over a lot and I, I still recommend seeing that if you get a chance that's my list alright John what about you uh, if I may uh, Sean, I, I want you to go next because I want to see if everybody gets everything else off of my list before I go. <laughs> okay. Most most of the stuff I, on I, my list has been named. I just, I've only got a yeah, couple. I didn't, I didn't I didn't know uh, Scott was going to just open the floodgates and name every movie from my <laughs> <laughs> He's got a lot of mine. So. Yeah, I've only got a couple that I wanted to bring up. Uh, one is Phenomenon with uh, John Travolta oh, and uh, Forrest Whitaker. That. I loved that movie. Yeah, it was, it, was, it was a really good movie. Um, John, the camera really loved John Travolta's face in that movie. There was a lot of yeah, close-ups of John Travolta in that movie. But, uh, is that the one where he has psychic powers or something? Yeah, like he can yeah. manipulate yeah. things. I think Brent Spiner was in it, too, uh, yeah. as a, a scientist. Um, but he can manipulate things, and he can... Uh, basically, just his brain is just on fire, and he can do all kinds of stuff. And then, spoiler, you find out at the, towards the end of the movie that he's got a giant brain tumor, and that's what's causing it. Uh, because it's unlocking portions of his brain that usually don't get activated or something like that. They also did a, they did a TV movie that was basically a remake of this movie, uh, that they were trying to use as a pilot to start to make a TV series based uh, on Phenomenon. But, uh, it didn't take off. It, it, all it made was, one pilot, so it was, it was it was kind of weird that they just remade a movie that had only been out for a couple of years. But uh, and the other one that I wanted to bring up was uh, Multiplicity with Michael Keaton. Uh, not a great movie, but it's a fun movie because Michael Keaton just gets to play all these characters. He plays four different people, four or five different people in this movie because uh, if you've never seen it, he gets he gets cloned, right? Uh, he goes to a company that clones people because his uh, his life, he's got a lot going on, so he wants to kind of divide up some of his tasks. So he gets himself cloned, and the other clone has a slightly different personality. Well, that clone ends up getting cloned. And, you know, when you make a copy of a copy, it's not quite as good, you know. So that one's a little stupid. And then he's got, like, a effeminate copy that he has made of himself. So he's got, like, four or five different copies of himself and his... And the whole movie is he's trying to keep his wife from finding out that he's got all these clones, you know. So, have you guys ever seen that? Yeah, sure. I don't okay. like it. No. But, yeah, I, 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 I saw like the scene where the portion of the movie where Andy McDowell as the wife ends up having sex with four different versions of her husband without knowing that it's four different versions of her husband. Because, yes, you know, that does happen. You know, the, yeah. the, the thinly veiled, not necessarily consensual, uh, you know. Mm. <laughs> that was hilarious in 1996. Yeah, yeah, that that's the that there is this there is this thing where things that were funny at one time are not funny anymore. And it's kind of weird when you go back and you watch stuff and you think, "You know what? We laughed at that." Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I don't Dude, consider I grew up my, in the 80s. Yeah. <laughs> that's worse. Oh yeah, I mean you go go back and watch Revenge of the Nerds. Dude rapes a woman. Yeah, much. he's dressed. He's dressed up as a gorilla and rapes a woman, and people I laugh at it's it. It's called seduction by. Uh, there's an actual term for it. It's seduction by um, deception is believe, yeah. is what it's technically called. But yeah, he raped her. 
there is one I, I forgot to mention for some reason. I, I, I uh, and, and, and I'm not saying – okay, this, really quickly. In 1996, Kenneth Branagh released his version of Hamlet. Mm-hmm. He did the whole thing, four hours long. Yeah, was, I worked in the theater I when it sat, came out, I remember. You did yeah. sit through okay. I sat through it. I felt like it was – because you know, I'm a theater educator. I felt like I had to. Oh, my God, is it painful. Um, <laughs> it's, you know, Kenneth Branagh's Henry V is genius. Uh, if you ever get a chance to see it, if you haven't seen it, it came out, you know, I don't know, 85, 87, something like that. Um, it's brilliant. And and uh, everybody in it, Helena Bonham Carter's Ophelia is, oh, wait a minute, is that, that's Gibson. Um. No, that's Hamlet. Never mind. Um, anyway, his, uh, 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 what, what's her name? Um, Emma Thompson is the queen that is the, the, the princess that he marries in, and, and her performance is amazing. This is when they were like both they just, were, ma- they just married they to each just other. Met. And, and I, I can't remember if they got married because of this film or, or something. Yeah. But anyway, Henry uh, Branna played Henry as a king who was unsure of himself, and it was it, it worked beautifully. And Branagh wasn't Kenneth Branagh yet, um, and so there was this under, you know, underpinning of uncertainty and, and, and unsureness that really works, especially when he has to finally, you know, when he has to like stiffen his spine up and be the king, and and he just does it with such subtlety, and it's it's wonderful. Hamlet, who's supposed to be like that, it was completely the opposite. At this point, Branagh was like, "I am Shakespeare," and. <laughs> There was this undercurrent of, of arrogance and bravado to his Hamlet that just totally didn't work, and it looked to me, for all the world, like he had he was purposely making everybody else in the cast wouldn't let them be better than him. Because like Robin Williams is in it, and Robin Williams is one of the few was one of the few people on earth who could who could extemporize Shakespeare, mm. and you could see it almost looked like. Brana said, "Act as if your hands are tied to your waist." Um, it's just, it's. I mean, it's visually gorgeous. They screw with the time. It, they move it into like 18th century France or some weird ass shit. Um, you know, it, if if you want to see a full production of Hamlet without you know flying over to England and standing in the in the the, the courtyard of the Globe for four hours, it's probably worth watching. Um, but I, you know, I'm glad I saw it. I'm glad I'm never going to have to sit through it again. <laughs> I worked at a movie theater when it came out, and I know we were the only theater in town that was showing it. And I know that there was a college professor at one of the local schools that assigned his class to go see it. Oh no! And they would come to the theater, and our manager told us to make sure that when people come to buy a ticket to that movie, make sure and tell them. Let them know, you know this is four hours, right? And uh, they would come and buy a ticket. These kids would come and buy a ticket. I need one for Hamlet, or I need two for Hamlet, or whatever. You know it's four hours. Like, what? <laughs> it's four hours? That's the whole night. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Their, their night's ruined now. <laughs> yeah. it, it has an intermission. Uh, you know, I mean, if you're watching well, it now, yeah. you're watching it yeah. at home, so you can pause yeah. it. Any, you know, there was actually an intermission. Which I desperately needed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> this was absolutely one of those. This comes on two VHS tapes titles mm. only two. 
You can get up to six hours on a cassette tape if you do it right. Most, if you do low quality, yeah. yeah, yeah. But, mo- yeah. Most for that were made for uh, sale and rental would usually top out at about like two, maybe two and a half. So, yeah, yeah. a four-hour movie, yeah, you put that on, okay. on, on two videos. Mm-hmm. All right, John, what you got? Uh, <clears throat> yeah, so... <laughs> As I indicated at the top of the show, or maybe this wasn't where we weren't recording yet. Um, yeah, I guess I didn't hear the 1991 one. Uh, so I thought we were doing our standard, hey, we're doing, you know, this category of film, and you come with, you know, you come with four or five, and we'll talk about <laughs> So this is, what was, this is what was on my list. Uh, Space Jam, taken. The Rock, taken. The Frighteners, taken. Ghost in the Darkness. I don't think anybody said that one. No, no one said that. Uh, Scream. I assume someone said that one. I said that, yeah. Uh, Set It Off. I don't think anyone said that one. Mm -hmm. Ooh, nice catch. Nice Mm -hmm. catch. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, uh, And Long Kiss Goodnight, which uh, Scott mentioned. Yeah, he did. Okay. So that's my list. I think that... I think that I think we've named every movie from 1996 at some point. <laughs> well, at least no, the, the decent ones. The, and we, the crazy thing is, no, we haven't. There's still plenty of movies from 96. Oh yeah, yeah. There were so many movies that came out. I we, I knew very early on as I was making up a list. I said I can't put every movie that I've seen in this list because that's it, the show will just be a list. There's mm-hmm. there are so many movies that came out like throughout most of the 90s, but. But certainly, '96 was a was a big year for it. So many titles that people are going to remember. Yeah, that's why I kind of we we do the we do the top money makers and the Oscar winners because those are the one everybody has seen most of those. Yeah, the '90s was also uh, really kind of the resurgence of like black cinema too. But mm-hmm. uh, not a lot of them came out in '96 apparently because I was remember oh that was good oh that no no I guess that was '95 nope I guess that was '97 damn it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they so, skipped that yeah. year. <laughs> well, I, I, I chose not to mention a thin line between love and hate. <laughs> I started to put that on my list, but I really couldn't remember much about it. I've only seen it once. It wasn't. And it wasn't 96 when I saw it. It was a couple of years later. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah. Oh, I will I was what was it? Uh, Get on the Bus, which was not a great film, but it was, you know, if we're talking black cinema, uh, it was... Uh, kind of a based on the million man march mm. uh, so that was cool but yeah, kind of boring Spike Lee joint yeah <laughs> I think that's going to pretty much do it for us for this week we will continue this series in another month or so we'll take a look at movies that are celebrating their 20th anniversary this year and we'll look at movies of from the year 2001 so I want to thank everybody for being here tonight Jen thank you very much for joining us yeah, sorry for being late. I, I'm sorry, but I'm, I'm glad I got to be in it. Thank you. <laughs> oh, no problem. Uh, Rick, thank you for being here. Uh, my pleasure. And if you want to hear anything more that I have to say, uh, please check out my other shows, Starbase 66 or Open the Iris or my new show, which isn't the old show, but same as the new show. I don't know what I'm trying to hmm. say. The Prime Direction is back. And uh, I've got uh, well, uh, Nick Yeager is our first guest. And uh, it's out now, and I've got, there's a new Open the Iris out now as we're recording this. And there will be a Starbase or an Admiral's Table coming out very soon. And, uh, yeah, so uh, I'm, I'm making shows again, so check them out all here on the network. 
All right. John, thank you for being here. You're welcome. You can hear other me, more of this, more of this me, and other people on Captain Game Show. It's the Trivia Wordplay Podcast of the Cosmic Potato, the Infinite Alliance, the Infinite Potato Alliance. With me. All right. (laughs) (laughs) And and Scott, thank you as well. Spadoinkle. <laughs> if you had watched Cannibal the Musical, you would understand. Yeah, I got okay. it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you got anything you want to plug? Um, I'll plug my website www.planetrisecreative.com or my Twitter account at planetrise. That's where I put my uh, graphic artwork, uh, some of which can be seen in various places here on the Infinite Potato Alliance, uh, including. The uh, the logo and avatar for uh, this very podcast, uh, Super Fan Talk podcast, also that Star Trek podcast, um, also the Prime Direction. Also, who else has one of my logos? Shout out who's 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 got one? I've, um, I've had oh, several of your logos. <laughs> also, the uh, the the cover page for uh, the Infinite Potato Alliance uh, yeah. Facebook yeah. group. Um, that and a whole bunch of other stuff besides. I do a lot of Star Trek stuff. I do fake posters. They're they're, they're fun. Go look at them or something. <laughs> All right. Uh, again, if you'd like to find out how to get in touch with us, uh, stay tuned at the end of the show. Brock will give you all of that information. Don't forget the party continues at patreon.com slash infinite potato. There's a lot of interesting things going on there, including some classic film commentaries. We're going to be getting ready to do our, our July Patreon show in a week or so. So if you're not a patron, then consider it. It's only a couple bucks every month. And that'll do it. Thank you for listening. Be sure to join us next time on that Super Fan Talk podcast when you might hear John say... Uh, slight spoiler for the Loki series. Um, but for all of you that were wondering, it turns out they're tetrasexual. Happy Pride! <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for joining us. Be sure to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. This conversation can serve no purpose anymore. Goodbye. You can find the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Stitcher. Fredo's going to leave without giving you a goodbye kiss. Help the show grow by leaving us a five-star rating and a review. That's the worst goodbye I've ever heard. And you stole it from a movie. Be sure to join us again soon on That Super Fan Talk Podcast, brought to you by InfinitePotato.com. Goodbye. This concludes our broadcast day.